Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Is there a new Atlantis? And if so, where is it located? Today, Micah Van Hus will reveal the answers. And Von Schatzer will share a special Election Day message that you won't want to miss. Thank you for being here today. Watchmen on the Wall is presented each day on almost 700 radio signals, as well as online and as a podcast. You can also access our program at the websites oneplace.com and sermonaudio.com. Expanding our reach on these brand new platforms is only possible because of you. Your prayers and financial support keep us going and allow us to introduce the truth of the gospel to new people every single day. We also have a special hello to all of our new friends who are listening for the very first time today. Whether you're listening on the radio or online, if you're new to Watchmen on the Wall, be sure to request your free new listener pack. The pack includes a welcome letter, history of our 90-year-old ministry, the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter, and a free gift. Get your free new listener pack by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Author Von Schatzer is here, ready to share a special Election Day message with you and with our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino. You know, friends, in times of elections, it's always good to look back at our history and learn who we really are and what our founders believed. We've gotten so far from our founders and our godly principles, we need to go back and see where we came from and why we're having all of these problems. And such a study will show that our founding fathers gave us a Republican form of government based on biblical principles. Our guest for this show and the next is our dear friend Vaughn Schatzer, author of the book, History of American Government and Law. Thank you so much, Vaughn, for being on our show once again. Well, thank you, Pastor Larry. I'm uh, always excited to be on the program with you and your listeners. And uh, we have so much to talk about today. And, and as you and I have talked many times, uh, the answer to all this is revival in Jesus mm, Christ. I believe so. I believe you're absolutely right. And I think when people hear what we originally started on, what got our engine, our American engine going, you'll say, wow, why have yes. we come so far in the wrong direction? That's the first question, actually. Yes. How did Noah Webster, who was one of our founding fathers, define a republic and a Republican form of government. And friends, this is such a, a key question. This, this reveals so much about where we are now. So Vaughn, I know you've got a great section in your book on that. Just tell us what you found in your historical research. Yes, thank you, uh, Pastor Larry. You know, the book of Psalms talks to us about uh, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Well, we want to turn to God's Word, but also I'm holding an 1836 history book in my hands by founding father Noah Webster, and here's the answer he gives if the foundations are to be destroyed. What can the righteous do? Here's what he says to school children in this school textbook, History of, of the United States. The brief exposition of the Constitution of the United States 
will unfold to young persons. He's talking to school children. The principles of Republican government, and it's the sincere desire of the writer that our citizens should early understand, again, school children, the genuine sources of correct Republican principles is from the Bible, mm. particularly the New Testament or the Christian faith. Wow, wow. what a <laughs> statement. Uh, that says so much. It's, I could just about uh, weep. But wow, Chief Justice Thomas McKean presided over the trial of a John Roberts who was found guilty of high treason. And in a few days, he would be executed. Justice McKean gave Roberts an admonition. Roberts really needed to hear the words of this admonition. So, Vaughn, what did Chief Justice McKean say to Roberts in this admonition given to a man who would be shortly executed? And I love the answer. You've got it in your book, but share it with our listeners. Yes, uh, this Supreme Court case in Pennsylvania took place in Philadelphia in 1778. And when I heard about this case, I actually drove to the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., and had them made a copy of it because I couldn't believe this really happened. But here it is. This is right from the court case, Republica versus John Roberts. Uh, so Justice McKean gave the following admonition to John Roberts, who was being tried for treason. You will probably have but a short time to live. It behooves you to repent of your evil deeds and to be incessant in prayers and great and merciful God to give you manifold transgressions and sins and to rely on the merits and the passions of the dear Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So you will not go to the regions of sorrows, those doleful shades where peace and rest can never dwell. He's talking about hell. <laughs> and to uh, receive into company with the society of angels and the spirit of just men. He goes on to close this. He says, may God be merciful to your soul. Oh, wow. Wow. Talk about a Christ-centered <laughs> altar call by a founding father in a Supreme Court case and talking about the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and hell in a court case. That's amazing, but that's all historical. In fact, I remember George Washington said, you know, if a people don't believe in eternal rewards and eternal punishment, you cannot rule them. So what do we That's have right. now? We have Joe Biden really complicating the picture, <laughs> and he certainly doesn't believe in eternal rewards or eternal punishment. That's, That's right. a key, a key to our problems. Well, you know, it's obvious that we as a nation and the people have come a long way in the wrong way. Now, yes. there's a new school prayer. It's written by a teenager in the desert southwest, and you have it in your book. Vaughn, maybe you could recite a few lines for our listeners. Yes, I would like to do that. And if I could, right before I read this new school prayer, uh, I wonder if I could tell your listeners, in the back of my book, I actually have printed a complete election sermon, or I'm sorry, a Supreme Court case called the Holy Trinity right. case of 1892. 
and Supreme Court Justice David Brewer gives 97 precedents why America was founded as a Christian nation. So that court case in its entirety is in the back of the book. Right. Now let me read this new school prayer. This is, this is very sad. In one way it could be called humorous, but it's more sad than right. humorous. Here we go. Now I set me down at school where praying is against the rule. For this great nation under God finds mention of him very odd. If scripture now the class recites, it violates the Bill of Rights. And any time my head I bow becomes a federal matter now. Our hair can be purple, orange, or green. That's no offense. It's a freedom scene. The law is specific. The law is precise. Prayers spoken aloud are a serious vice. For praying in a public hall might offend someone that has no faith at all. Let me read one more paragraph of this. It says, We're allowed to cuss and dress like freaks and pierce our nose, tongues, and cheeks. <laughs> They've outlawed guns, but Bible, Bible first. To quote the good book means me liable. We can get our condoms and birth controls, study witchcraft, vampires, and totem poles. But the Ten Commandments are not allowed. No word from God must reach this crowd. It's scary here, I must confess. When chaos reigns, the school's a mess. O oh Lord, this silent plea I make, should I be shot, my soul please take. Mm, wow. And this, this is the, uh, a teenager, I believe, right? From Yes, a yeah. teenager that's out living somewhere in the desert in Arizona. Well, you know, I think, with all the craziness in our schools and in our government, young people suffer the most, especially when they have parents who will take them to uh, drag queen story readings yes. in the local yes. library. Poor kids with parents who don't yes. have an idea what it is to be a parent. Uh, it's yes. disgraceful. It's horrible. Well, boy, this, this is exciting. I, I really love your book. It is a Thank tremendous you. book, and of Praise course, uh, yeah, it, it's very useful. History of American Government and Law, our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Now, let me share this, and I want to get your, your comments on it. In 1778, our Commander-in-Chief, George Washington, dismissed a sodomite from military service with, quote, abhorrence and detestation of such an infamous crime, close quotes. Now, you know, Vaughn, today we have moved to don't ask, don't tell, and beyond. The military is supposed to protect the homeland, not create new social norms at the expense of the old ones that served us quite well for many years. So tell us about Washington's dismissal of the sodomite. Yes, uh, this is recorded in the Historical Society at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. I actually picked up this book when I visited it up there many years ago. Now, here it is, right in the, the commission, uh, writing of Valley Forge Park Service. At a general court-martial, Lieutenant Insulin, so this sodomite uh, is a lieutenant, he was tried for attempting to commit sodomy with John Monhort, a soldier, all right? And second, for perjury in swearing to false accounts was found guilty. 
uh, on the fifth article of the 18th section of the Articles of War, and do sentence him to be dismissed with infamy. His Excellency, the Commander-in-Chief, George Washington, approves the sentence with abhorrence and detestation of such infamous crime. It says he's to be drummed out of the camp. And then it's added in the next paragraph, insulin, this sodomite, was mounted backwards on an unsaddled horse. They turned his uniform inside out, and he tied. they tied his hands behind him, and the drummers and the fifers drummed and fifed him out of Valley Forge, never to return. Wow. Well, you know, this is just just so tragic when we keep on violating natural law. A man and a woman, that's what there yes. is. Only, it's, it's on binary, right? I mean, that's what the Bible is. And now yes. you have all these oddities and these strange outfits and ideas. No wonder we're confused. But Vaughn, tell us about Blackstone's commentaries. They were really America's first law books. Wasn't abortion considered a crime punishable by death by Blackstone? Yes, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. And I believe you're offering them. Yes, I believe People, so. Your listeners can actually purchase these law books. Well, Blackstone's commentaries on law were written in 1758 by the great English and Christian jurist Sir William Blackstone. These law books, they, they served as the Bible of American lawyers. They were used by our judges, by Congress, the President, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Everybody had a copy of Blackstone's commentaries on law, and they were used for 160 years in America to settle disputes and define words and to examine procedures. And I want to give you a quote here from Blackstone's about what it has to say about abortion. And it's, it's interesting, this section of Blackstone's is called homicide. So abortion was considered a homicide back in the days of Blackstone's commentaries on law. Here's what it says. If any person with intent to procure the miscarriage, today we call that an abortion, of any woman then being quick with child unlawfully and maliciously shall administer her or cause to be taken by her any poison or other noxious thing. Let me stop there. The morning after pill right. or what we call baby poison or RU486. Today would be considered poison or noxious, or the super saline solution that actually burns the baby to death. And it continues here in Blackstone, or shall use any instrument or other means. Here we could think about, and this is so gross, uh, Pastor Larry, I even hate to talk about it. Right. You know, in a partial birth abortion, four-fifths of the baby is born and then these barbaric doctors and nurses use scissors to stick into the back of the head of this innocent right. baby and suck its brains out. Dear God. And it continues, every such offender 
and every person counseling and aiding or abetting such offender shall be guilty of a felony and shall be convicted thereof, shall suffer death as a felon. And you know, Brother Larry, we have over 600 abortion mills in the U.S., and over 189 nations of the world have abortion mills. Right. Wow. Wow. Well, friends, there's more here than we could cover in these two shows. You will want your own copy of A History of American Government and Law. As America has departed from God's Word, we have come on hard times. We've lost respect from the world, and we have lost the blessings of God. Get your own copy, History of American Government and Law. Please give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Vaughn, it's hard to believe, but we are coming to the point where aborted baby body parts will be sold to universities, pharmaceutical firms, and private research laboratories across America. The devaluation, man, is, you know, of a human life is shocking. It shows how our culture is in a severe moral downgrade. Yes, uh, I have quite a section on this. Again, this is hard to talk about. But uh, it's amazing, this ghoulish selling of aborted baby parts. Uh, as you just said, they're sold to public universities, pharmaceutical firms. And uh, believe it or not, the taxpayer-funded National Institutes of Health is one of the major traffickers selling aborted baby parts. Wow. Now, this price list I have in here is an old price list. So the prices I'm going to give are probably have probably quadrupled since these prices I'm going to give. The list gives the exact cost of baby body parts. The fee for a aborted baby liver is $150, a spinal cord $325, eyeballs $75, a brain $999 or an entire dead baby dead but intact, $600. One of these body parts suppliers, Pastor Larry, claimed to fill more than 1,500 baby parts orders daily. As you can see, there's big bucks to be made from body parts. And the answer, why did all this happen? It's in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, Vaughn, you write about Christopher Langdell, who became the dean of Harvard Law School. He was a Darwinian. He believed that as man evolved, his laws must also evolve. And Langdell developed what is known as case law. Now, what is the difference in case law and our founding father's belief in knowing the original intent of the law? What does that make in in how we decide our cases and, and decide penalty and punishment? Excellent question. You know, This Christopher Langdell, first I want everyone to know that Langdell was a student of Charles Darwin. So we know where he got philosophy and everything was from uh, the lie of evolution. So he believed that as man evolved, his laws must evolve also. Langdell taught that judges should guide the evolution of the Constitution. So this move method was introduced at Harvard Law School and also Yale and Princeton, and it was called case law. The case law method would allow judges to interpret the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights as they believe it should be interpreted and completely ignore our founding fathers' original intent. So 
the first victim of case law was taking prayer out of school. The second victim was taking the Bible and Bible reading out of our schools. The third victim was abortion, legalized abortion. The fourth victim was the Ten Commandments of God removed. The fifth victim was taking creation science out of the schools and now going to evolution and the lie of the Big Bang. And the sixth victim was the home, legalizing the homosexual marriages and the LGBT community ordeal. Wow. Well, Vaughn, we are hard up against the clock, but we have much, much more to talk about. So can you be back with us for another show? I would be delighted to come back and share this wonderful, godly heritage of America with you and your listeners. Yes. Well, friends, be sure to tune in to your next Watchman on the Wall broadcast of Southwest Radio Church. I think you will find these programs exciting, informative, and certainly the book, History of American Government and Law. Von Schatzer's History of American Education collection is today's featured resource. Included in this special collection are Von Schatzer's book and DVD entitled History of American Education, Webster's Blueback Speller and New England Primer, and a pocket-sized copy of the United States Constitution. Order the Von Schatzer History of American Education Collection today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. For millennia, secret societies have been trying to bring back the city of Atlantis. Have they succeeded? And if so, where is the new Atlantis? Marginal Mysteries host and author Micah Van Huss is here to answer these intriguing questions. Freemasonry has a secret. I'm your host today, Micah Van Huss. I am the executive producer of Marginal Mysteries here at Southwest Radio Ministries. And today we will be talking about Freemasonry and the new Atlantis. There are powers that desperately wanted at the discovery of the Americas and at the founding of our country hundreds of years later, there are powers that wanted the United States to be Atlantis reborn in the world. What was Atlantis? Atlantis was an ancient city. Most people think it was, call it the lost city of Atlantis. I do not believe it is lost. I believe it is the destroyed city of Atlantis. I speculate that the reshot structure in the Sahara Desert is actually the destroyed city of Atlantis. We've talked about that on the program before. I've written about it in my first book, Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them, so we're not going to get into all those details, Uh, but you can check out uh, any of my works, uh, including Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them at MarginalMysteries.com, MarginalMysteries.com. Atlantis was uh, a mythology place written about by Plato, and it was a place of the gods, and it does uh, parallel scripture uh, at one or two points. The first point in the very uh, beginning of the story of Atlantis Plato starts out with, in the days of old, the gods divided the world among themselves. And again, as we've talked about, that mirrors Deuteronomy chapter 32, after the Tower of Babel, when God splits the world into 70 nations and places angels to rule over the nations. Again, we've talked about that, but let's keep going. Atlantis was, uh, by most people, supposedly a utopia. Um, Atlantis wasn't really a utopia. They had an army that tried to conquer Greece and other islands around the Mediterranean 
uh, many times. So they weren't a utopia, as people like to say, but it was, according to mythology, a divine place where the gods lived with humans and uh, married humans. And eventually, through the human bloodline, the traits of the gods were bred out over the generations. And then Atlantis comes to a great destruction with a deluge and earthquakes. In the myth, uh, there are actually gods of Atlantis uh, who were visiting other points on the planet at the time of the destruction. So some of the quote-unquote gods of Atlantis did survive. Stories of them going to South America, stories of them ending up in Egypt. Topics that we've talked about and we've covered. When I say that people uh, wanted the United States to be the new Atlantis, we're talking about the Royal Society in London. Uh, We're talking specifically about Francis Bacon, who had a tremendous effect on the founding of the colony of Virginia and the United States as a whole. But when you look at the United States and our capital and our history, you will see a lot of Freemasonry symbolism in our culture and in our country's founding. First of all, uh, George Washington himself, uh, our first president, was a Freemason at the building of the Capitol. Washington himself attended, or excuse me, hosted the ceremony where they laid the cornerstone, and the cornerstone of the Capitol was laid in a Freemason ceremony. One of the fascinating things about Freemasonry are the pillars of Boaz and Joachim. It is involved in one of their ceremonies. Well, how do I say this? Freemasonry has a, a secret, which I'm not going to reveal today. If you'd like to know the secret of Freemasonry, my upcoming book, Secret Societies, Blood Never Sleeps, we talk about the secret of Freemasonry. But we'll give a little hint. The pillars of Boaz and Jochen uh, were built by Solomon at his temple, but they also were taken by Freemasonry to become a symbol of Freemasonry. One pillar exemplifies the divine man, and the other pillar, the earthly woman. Uh, one of the other fascinating things uh, about secret societies in America is the Bohemian Grove. The Bohemian Grove is a social club for the who's who of the political elites. It is in the Redwoods of California. For a century, it was a man's club. Uh, now they've started to let women in. But at the Bohemian Grove, this Alex Jones uh, in 2000, this is what made him famous. He snuck in with a cameraman and filmed uh, the cremation of care ceremony. It is a ceremony where these political elites don robes, hold torches, and light and burn a human effigy, a fake human, on an altar in front of a 30-foot-tall owl statue, which symbolizes sacrificing humans to mullet. Now, that's all interesting, but what is fascinating is you will find a picture of Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon at the Bohemian Grove. So what is going on at the Bohemian Grove? Well, check out some of Alex Jones stuff. I hope you've learned a little bit today uh, on the program. If you want to check out my work, I'm Micah Van Hus, and MarginalMysteries.com is my website, MarginalMysteries.com. Von Schasser's History of American Education Collection is today's featured resource. Included in this special collection are Von Schatzer's book and DVD entitled History of American Education, Webster's Blueback Speller and New England Primer, and a pocket-sized copy of the United States Constitution. Order the Von Schatzer History of American Education collection today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website swrc.com.
Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday, ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Head into the weekend with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.